missed a week, but I'm back. No migraines for me this week, at least not today. And I got a lot of catching up to do. This is the NFFL Podcast. Welcome to the regular season finale of the NFFL Podcast. There's a lot of big things on deck this week with lots of playoff implications. So let's get right into it. Now, there are four remaining spots for the playoffs that are wide open. Four, the top four are clinched, and there, there, there could be some seeding moving in between those four. Uh, but those top four seeds are, are pretty much set. Uh, Awful Waffles, Cobra Kai, Jim Kelly Hates Cancer, and Lance Manlove all currently sitting at nine and three. Uh, there's no way any of the other four potential playoff contenders are going to make up that point differential so you four are going to be the top four seeds just a little bit of a jockeying for position this week so that leaves four open spots it's been a while since i can remember the nffl going down to the last week of the regular season with this many open uh playoff spots left to claim Uh, (laughs) so and Okay, realistically, there are five teams that have a legitimate shot, but we're going to say there's six battling it out for that spot because, yeah, Mason's helmet weapon doesn't have a real shot, but mathematically, I can't say they're eliminated, and it makes for better drama. And none of these teams are going head-to-head with each other. None of these teams can knock each other out of the playoffs. This is actually pretty fantastic. (laughs) And so the worst case scenario is that we have a logjam of five teams finishing at six and seven with only four spots available, and we have to go to tiebreakers. So none of these matchups are slam dunks either. Uh, None of them are guaranteed victories for any of these guys, any of these teams. Not even Six Flags over Jesus playing Roster Guard 99. Yep, you heard me right. This year's Pierce winner, by at least two games, if not more, could knock Six Flags over Jesus out of playoff contention so uh that's your uh playoff overview let's dive into some news that could impact these playoffs we got some injuries that could impact and some guys coming back from injury that could impact uh games this weekend well this week because we got thursday Sunday, Monday. Julio Jones injured his shoulder last week, and yeah, it's it's Julio. It's late season. Golden Tate left with a concussion, and uh, he's probably not going to be playing for the rest of our season. Carson Wentz uh, left the game with a hand injury that uh, impacted a lot of what he was doing. We'll say that just to make him feel better. And James Conner and Austin Hooper still not quite ready to return to the field yet this week. Now, on the other side of the coin, 
expected back from injury this week, wide receivers Tyreek Hill, Adam Thielen, and Alshon Jeffrey, and running backs Jordan Howard, Devonta Freeman, and Chase Edmonds. So, further mucking up the Arizona backfield, there you go. <laughs> now, this is the point I normally do the Pierce Watch, but, uh, you know, last week, Roster Guard 99 secured that honor. So, let's go and uh, <laughs> uh, let's take a look back at our uh, film review for week 12. Let's start with Night Shift taking on Lance Manlove. Now this game finished up 226.31 to 171.10. A 55.21 point margin of victory for Lance Manlove. And they officially knocked Night Shift out of playoff contention. Not a good thing. For Night Shift anyway. Now, for Night Shift, they had a chance going in, but too many of their players stumbled. The Raiders duo of Williams and Jacobs really, really suffered during uh, Oakland's blowout loss to the Jets. And uh, <laughs> Hollywood Brown reemerged, but that was dampened because... Because the quarterback throwing him the ball happened to be on the other side of the field in this matchup. <laughs> yeah, Lamar Jackson, the bane of my existence this week. His 50 points were nearly the point differential in this victory. <laughs> yes, 50 points. What else can you say? Chris Godwin and Calvin Ridley also combined for 269 yards, three touchdowns, and 13 receptions. That's 54-plus points. So, yeah, like I said, Night Shift had a chance going in. Uh, didn't have a chance coming out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sayonara, Night Shift. Uh, you're going to miss the playoffs for the first time in, I believe, four years. Moving on to Awful Waffles, taking on Rostergar 99. Uh, <laughs> 236.27 to 170.98. This was a 65.29 margin of victory win. <laughs> and it officially sealed Roster Guard 99's fate as the Pierce for 2019. Yes, it did. This is also our official kick ass victory of the week. Now for Awful Waffle, swapping in Baker for Jimmy G at quarterback was a nice move. Tyler Lockett, really the only wide receiver on the field that disappointed this week. And even in a tough matchup, uh, Zeke still put up decent points for Awful Waffles. 
But roster guy 89, 99, whatever. Aaron Rodgers continues to be a flop in the second half of the season. He only had 104 yards through the air. This is his second game in a month's time on the West Coast, where he has been a major disappointment. Thankfully for roster guard 99, that did not hurt Devontae Adams too much, as he actually had a pretty decent day, catching most of Rodgers' 104 yards. Jamal Williams was the better running back to have this week for Green Bay. But the real story was the defense. Only Clay Matthews put up less than 10 points. This defense for Roster Guard 99 totaled over 70 points this week. So, hey, kudos to your defense for stepping up. Well, let's move on to Cobra Kai taking on Six Flags over Jesus. This game finished 175.34 to 163.53. That is an 11.81 point margin of victory for Six Flags over Jesus. Cobra Kai was really hurt by Amari Cooper's no-show. <laughs> That's right, this week we'll call him Amari Pooper. He had two catches. One was called back on a penalty, and the other... Ooh, turned out to not be a catch, even though it looked like it initially. But in fact, outside of George Kittle, Nick Chubb, and perhaps Deshaun Watson, Cobra Kai's entire offense had an off day this week. They had, going into this game, if they'd won, they would have put a stranglehold on that number one seed this week. And sadly, though you can't say anyone could have predicted it, if you look at their bench, the necessary points to make up this loss are sitting there. That's all I'll say. Six flags over Jesus. Jarvis Landry has had an up and down season. And what a week for him to have an up week. Raheem Mostert finally stepped up for the first time in a month at just the time when San Francisco needed a big day from the running back core. Or, sorry, San Francisco. <laughs> Six flags over Jesus. I abbreviated SF. Cole Holcomb also came through on defense with a boatload of tackles and his first sack of the season. That's right, I'm giving the defense some love this week. Gridiron Mafia took on Ninja Panthers, and that game finished up 206.42 to 185.09. That was a 21.33 margin of victory for Ninja Panthers. Let's start with Gridiron Mafia. Terry McLaurin continues to suffer with the switch to Dwayne. I'm going to go take a selfie while my backup kneels down for the victory at quarterback and Washington. And it doesn't look like it's going to get any better moving forward. Cortland Sutton had an off day against a very solid quarterback. But OBJ quietly had his best day since week two against the Dolphins. Alas... It's not enough for the resurgent Ninja Panthers. Now, for the Ninja Panthers, did anyone expect the Ninja Panthers to put up over 200 points this week with Carson Wentz at quarterback and starting Muhammad Sanu at wide receiver when he had been ruled out? Because I wouldn't have. Todd Gurley, we can throw him back on the disappointment pile, but Mark Ingram's big day across the field was a pretty humongous boost. And 
I'd like to suggest we all start calling DJ Moore a solid number one wide receiver when someone besides Cam Newton is throwing him the ball. Grizzles Gladiators took on Hater Tech, 203.14 to 160.40. Another big blowout this week, 42.74 point margin of victory for Grizzles Gladiators. Hater Tech hasn't looked good the last couple weeks. Uh, for Grizzles Gladiators, Derek Henry and his <laughs> back-to-back touchdowns uh, gives him an interesting statistical record that he holds. He is the first player since LaDainian Tomlinson in 2006 to score two touchdowns within 20 seconds. And it helped Grizzles Gladiators overcome some pretty poor quarterback play from Dak Prescott. Fun fact, my uh, autocorrect changed Dak to Dad. I don't even know if he has kids. But it helped them overcome poor quarterback play from Dak and a shaky wide receiver core. Throwing Leonard Fournette and his first and second touchdown on the ground since week five, and you've got the ingredients for a nice win. Now for Hater Tech, sadly starting Matt Breida, who did not even play, and Tevin Coleman, who shared the backfield load <laughs> with Mostert and came out the lesser of those two backs. Not enough to make up for Russell Wilson's disappointing performance. But this was apparently the week of long-forgotten wide receiver resurgence, as Will Fuller and Tyler Boyd had their best days in a long time. Let's move on to our last matchup. Jim Kelly Hates Cancer took on Mason's Helmet Weapon in perhaps the most surprising result of the week, 167.22 to 139.42. 27.8 point margin of victory for Mason's helmet weapon. This was Jim Kelly Hates Cancer's lowest point output of the season. And it comes along with some heightened question marks as they turn their eyes towards the playoffs. Aaron Jones once again outpaced by Jamal Williams. Julio Jones with another late season injury. Jamison Crowder trending downwards in a huge route where he has been shown to be the most dependable of that wide receiver core. Back-to-back fumbles, seriously, on back-to-back drives for Chris Carson. He fumbles. Next drive, first play, he fumbles. Even Pete Carroll and his love for Chris Carson is not going to be able to overlook that one. Now for Mason's helmet weapon... He can thank A.J. Brown and his uncharacteristic big day. Because A.J., well, you can thank A.J. and that big day and Drew Brees for being Drew Brees for the victory. And, you know, Jim Kelly hates Cancer's team for laying an egg. A.J. got about the same amount of his attention as he'd been getting target-wise. He just happened to be able to get a lot more yardage than he normally does and a touchdown out of it this week. Uh, I wouldn't count on it moving forward next week, but, hey, this week it was good so let's hand out some weekly hardware for week 12 this is very very regal now for the offensive player of the week let's start with the crazy horse We're going to give this one to Drew Brees 
for Mason's Helmet Weapon. 30 completions, 311 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. Not bad. Day at the office. Now on the Haterade side, I didn't want to for so many reasons, but I just I can't give it to anyone. But Lamar Jackson, quarterback for Lance Manlove, 15 completions, 169 yards, another 95 yards on the ground, five touchdowns through the air. There were seven drives in a row. There's at least six in a row that led to a touchdown. So those are offensive players of the week. Let's look at defense. We'll start with Haterade uh, for the second in a uh, second week in a row. We're going to hand this out to Joe Schobert, linebacker for Night Shift. Joe had uh, three tackles, two interceptions. Second week in a row, he's had two picks. Uh, four passes defensed and two assisted tackles. Pretty decent week at the office. And for Crazy Horse, another linebacker, Fred Warner for Rostergard 99. 11 tackles, one sack, and one forced fumble. Now let's move on to the poopers of the week. Diarrhea. We're going to look at these guys who did not perform to expectations. Not because of injury, but because they just sucked. And they had to have started for their team this week. Jamison Crowder, two catches for 18 total yards. Uh, Aaron Jones, 38 total yards. Mike Evans, four catches for only 50 yards in a day where the receiving game was on point. T.Y. Hilton, yes, he's nursing an injury, but he's still got on the field for at least a quarter of the snaps. They had him on pitch count, but I'm counting it. Only three for 18. Dak Prescott, 19 completions, 212 yards, but a pick. No touchdown. Todd Gurley, 22 whole yards on the ground. Mari Cooper, one tackle. No catches, but a tackle. Saquon Barkley, 59 yards on the ground. That's it. James White, five yards on the ground. I think he had a catch for negative yards, too. Tyler Lockett, one catch. Clay Matthews, two assisted tackles. Mark Andrews, the number one receiver for (laughs) Mr. Lamar Jackson, two whole catches. Tyrell Williams, two catches for 18 yards. Josh Jacobs, 34 total yards on the ground. Aaron Donald, one assisted tackle. That's it. All right, so let's look ahead at the season finale of the regular season as we move on to our pick six segment. Let's look ahead at our final six matches of the regular season for the 2019 NFFL campaign. We're going to start with Night Shift, currently ranked number 11 at 3 and 9, taking on number 10, Mason's Helmet Weapon, at 4 and 8. Now, the projected outcome, Mason's Helmet Weapon, is expected to win by a field goal at the time of this recording. For Night Shift, after losing two of their last three nail-biters, they can only hope to play the spoiler here and officially knock Mason's Helmet Weapon out of playoff contention. 
Is Josh Jacobs going to rebound from last week's disappointment? He could, as Kansas City likes to give up points to the running back. But if Kansas City goes up early, he's very likely going to get game planned out for some reason. John Gruden just doesn't want to put him in there for catching passes out of the backfield. That puts the running back crew for night shift in the hands of either Sony Michelle, Damian or Daryl Williams, depending on Damian's ribs, or Devonta Freeman. Not a pleasant outlook. For Mason's helmet weapon, needs a boatload of help to make it into the playoffs. Breeze didn't do too well versus Atlanta a few weeks back, and this is a short week, and it's in Atlanta. But I expect him to be fine. Last week, Atlanta's new remade defense got blown apart. Running back is the position to watch. David Montgomery seems to be dealing with a nagging ankle injury and the rookie wall at the same time. But he gets the worst running defense in the league on a short week. After he logged only 22 yards versus a middling New York Giants running defense. Meanwhile, Carlos Hyde draws a matchup with New England and their number one defense versus the run. I don't see that ending well. I am picking Night Shift to be on the winning side of a nail-biter for once this season and ending with a victory and at least something to hang their head on for this lost season. Next up, we got number three ranked Awful Waffles at 9-3, and three, taking on number six ranked Hater Tech at 6-6. Six and six. Awful Waffles are currently projected to win by a massive landslide. For Awful Waffles, do you see a weak spot in their lineup? The only real question marks I see is DeAndre Hopkins one of the best wide receivers in the game versus the best passing defense in the league. Which one's going to give? It really has no bearing on this outcome of the game because Awful Waffles could not even start a wide receiver in that slot and still win handily. But, oh well, it gives me something to talk about and create false drama. Now for Hater Tech, if Tyreek Hill is coming back from his hamstring injury and doesn't re-injure it, this could be a huge game for him this week. <laughs> Probably won't give them a win, but hey, again, something to look forward to. Picking off a Waffles to add Hater Tech to a possible logjam of 6 and 7 teams. Number 4, Cobra Kai at 9 and 3, going to take on number 5, Grizzles Gladiators at 6 and 6. Cobra Kai is currently projected to win by around 26 points. And for Cobra Kai, their Minnesota players have my attention this week. With Thielen expected back, he should draw some coverage away from Diggs, freeing him up for some attention from Captain Kirk. And if the air attack gets going early, Dalvin Cook will look to have a pretty good night as well. Ronald Jones, Devonta Freeman, Todd Gurley, and James Conner all scored double-digit points against this defense already this season. So I, I don't see Dalvin having a problem with that. For Grizzles Gladiators, I really like wide receiver this week. Robinson has a short week, but he gets the Lions defense, which is third worst against the pass. Minnesota can be beat through the air, and Metcalf is at home against them. Meanwhile, Evans gets Jacksonville, and they don't mind giving away points to the wide receiver at all. I'm going with Cobra Kai, but this one was a tough one to pick. I really wanted to pick Grizzles Gladiators based on the lineup, but my gut says Cobra Kai is gonna gonna pick it, gonna take it. Wow, is that five matchups already? 
No, it's not. It's only three. I jumped on a page. Okay. Let's jump back up to number two, Lance Manlove at nine and three, taking on number nine, Ninja Panthers at five and seven. Now, Lance Manlove at this time of recording is uh, projected to win by two touchdowns. Now, for Lance Manlove, they can uh, win and they probably keep their number two seed. Maybe send them up to number one, depending on how the rest of the games uh, play out. I'm very intrigued to see how Lamar Jackson fares against San Francisco's defense, especially as the game is in Baltimore. Other lesser mobile quarterbacks this year have fared well against them, so we should be in for a very intriguing matchup. Lance Manlove's going to live or die by Lamar this week. For Ninja Panthers, win, and with some help, they're in. I'm going to be watching running backs in this matchup. With San Francisco focused on Lamar, that could free up Ingram for a big day. And Todd Gurley has a very favorable matchup in Arizona in a game the Rams need to win, where they clearly do not trust their quarterback enough to put it in his hands. I'm expecting Lance Manlove to win because I'm expecting Lamar Jackson to do well enough uh, against San Francisco for him to have, at the very least, a solid quarterback one day. Number seven, Six Flags Over Jesus at six and six. Man, one more six, and that name becomes really ironic. It's taken on number 12, Roster Guard 99 at one and 11. And <laughs> surprisingly, for those Vegas lines makers, Roster Guard 99 is currently projected to win by a touchdown. Now, for Six Flags Over Jesus, a loss could knock them out of the playoffs. Kyler Murray and Christian Kirk will be the backbone for that offense this week. The matchup isn't great, but the connection has been building for these two, and the Rams' defense is beatable. Considering the rest of the offense this week, these two may need a huge day. For roster guard 99, they can't avoid the Pierce. But they can go on a high note and potentially spoil Six Flags over Jesus' season. Watch the four, that's right, four, Green Bay players. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Jamal Williams. They're playing New York, and the receivers have a very tasty matchup. Williams could be a tough one, but last week showed that LaFleur prefers to throw to Williams out of the backfield. He had uh, pretty much twice as many targets out of the backfields as Jones did. I am uh, going to pick Roster Guard 99 to go out on a high note with their second win of the season on this one. And our final matchup is going to be number eight, Gridiron Mafia at five and seven, taking on number one, Jim Kelly Hates Cancer at nine and three. Jim Kelly Hates Cancer is projected to win by about 10 points currently. Now, for Gridiron Mafia, Dee Westbrook is my player to watch. He's going to get points by the bucket. The question mark is Khalil Mack. Detroit doesn't fare too well versus the D-line. Most teams have double-teamed Mack this season, but can Detroit do that all game? Driscoll is dealing with a hamstring issue. Detroit's already brought in potential uh, backup quarterbacks to sign because if Driscoll can't play, there's a guy, a guy behind him that I can't remember right now who he is. Driscoll might not even play, so they might be on their third string quarterback, so it could be feasting season for Khalil Mack on Thanksgiving Day. For Jim Kelly Hates Cantor, there's too many question marks for me. 
Julio is likely to play, but can he play consistently with the shoulder the way it is? History says probably not. He's probably going to be in and out of the matchup. Will Galladay gain more than 50 yards versus the Bears? Probably not, based especially upon that quarterback situation they got going on. How many touches is Carson going to lose after his double fumble performance last week? And will the Darren Waller, who earned a huge contract extension earlier this season, show up? I'm going to go out of limb, and I am picking Gridiron Mafia to upset Jim Kelly Hates Cancer this week. <laughs> now, let's take a look at my playoff predictions. My projections based upon my picks this week for those final four spots. Yes, Awful Awful's Cobra Guy, Lance Manlove, Jim Kelly Hates Cancer. They locked up those four already. My picks this week have Hater Tech, Grizzles Gladiators, Gridiron Mafia going in that leaves <laughs> six flags over Jesus with a record based on my projections of six and seven and Ninja Panthers with a record of five and eight which means according to my projections even if six flags over Jesus loses this week like I expect them to they'll still make the playoffs so enjoy if my picks come true, you four will be bound for playoff glory and potentially one and done. That's it for this week. Uh, no more bye weeks. Woo! Thursday night football this week. It's Thursday football. All day football for Thanksgiving. Bears at Lions first. Bills at Cowboys second. Saints at Falcons closes it out. And remember, you can get your NFFL swag on Redbubble at bit.ly slash Nellis NFFL, bit.ly slash N-E-L-L-I-S NFFL. I noticed this week earlier, someone purchased a sticker of the Outcast logo, which is no longer being used because it's now Six Flags Over Jesus. So that's all for this week. I'll be back next week to recap the regular season finale and look ahead at the playoffs. See you then. The NFFL Podcast is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios, tell your story.